So it's great to see you this morning. Great to see so many of you in church. Looking good as always. Looking good. Well, I'm going to continue this morning with our theme that we've got for this month of Back to Basics. And I'm really going to build on what Tim last week, because he introduced the topic of loving God. And this week, I'm going to expand on that and continue on that thought of loving God, but also loving people as well. And looking at not only loving ourselves, but loving other people as well. And Tim read a, read a passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in there, it talks about loving God with all of our hearts, our soul, our mind, and our strength as well. And I want to continue with that thought. So I thought it would be good for us to, to pray to begin with this morning. And, and yeah, let's just do that now. So Heavenly Father, we... We thank you for this opportunity that we have to, to gather together as your body, to gather together as your people. And we just ask that as we open up your word this morning, would you speak to us? Holy Spirit, we ask, would you come and reveal things to our hearts? Holy Spirit, we give you permission this morning to do an incredible, miraculous work in our lives. And we've already declared that you are the miracle worker, and we declare that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Have we got any people in this morning who are all or nothing people? <laughs> Let me explain what I mean by that. I'm a bit of an all or nothing person. So if I'm on a bit of a health kick, I'll go out running regularly. You'll see I'll get out there a couple of times a week. And if I'm not in a bit of a health kick, I won't go out at all. It's, it's all or it's nothing. On that theme of being healthy, eating healthy food, so either I'm eating carrots for my lunch every day, and I'm eating fruit, and I'm being good, and I'm limiting the number of desserts I have a week, or I'm not at all. If we, anyone else out there a bit of an all or nothing person? Some, some of you might be able to relate to that this morning. Well, I want to read a scripture to us this morning that is an all in scripture that Jesus asks us to be all in on this subject. I'm going to read it out to you, and it will be up on the screen as well. And it's from Mark chapter 11, verses 28 to 34. And it's out of the New Living Translation. I'm going to read this, and it says this. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that... Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all of the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer 
all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. Don't you love those people who ask questions? (laughs) Jesus starts off by answering this question by saying, this is the most important commandment. And he prefaces it with saying, you must. I don't know about you, but are you used to being given commands? I must admit, it's not something that's in my everyday, but Jesus says that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. This is not optional for us this morning, church. It's a commandment from Jesus himself. And this is an all-in requirement. In verse 29, Jesus says that God is the one and only Lord. And what he's saying there is God needs to be number one in our lives, that he is the only Lord, that we have no other gods, that we have no other idols. He needs to be the priority in our lives. And Jesus goes on to say that the second commandment is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's Jesus saying there? Simply saying, treat those around us, those people around us, with the love and the respect that we would like to be treated with. And what's interesting is the teacher of religious law, he points out something interesting. He says, there is more to this, or there is more than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. And he highlights something really important. You see, in the Old Testament, it was about sacrifice. It was about offerings. It was about making yourself right with God. But what we see here highlighted by Jesus is that actually in the New Testament, God cares more about us pursuing him and how we treat other people. There's a shift that takes place. And my first point for us this morning is this, loving God. And I've put in there in brackets, Jesus-centered. And this is taken from our vision where as a church, we commit to being Jesus-centered, that we're learning to live a Jesus-centered life. So what does it look like for us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? And I want to answer that question with another question. If a complete stranger was to observe your life, how would they know or how would they see that you have a relationship with Jesus? Would it be obvious that you were passionate about him? What would they see? Would they just see that a couple of times a month you came to an old cinema building on New Leak Road? Or would they see more than that? How do we ensure that we keep God, the only Lord, in our lives? Well, it's really simple. I don't do complicated. We'll do simple this morning. You see, we keep him Lord by keeping him number one. We make God a priority in our lives. And we center our entire lives around him. And I want to talk some more this morning how we can do that. 
and throughout mine and my wife's, uh, my Becky, my wife's relationship, we've tried to ensure that God has always been at the, the center of our marriage and he's been the priority. And when we first started dating and I told her that I loved her for the first time, we, we had a conversation about how Jesus is always going to be the first love in our lives. And when I proposed and we got engaged, the ring that I gave Becky on the inside is engraved Ecclesiastes 4.12, which says, a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You see, from day one in our relationship, we've ensured that it's God that is in the center and we're on the outside. And we've not always got that balance right, but we've done our best to keep God the priority. And we all have different things that fill our lives. And many of those things are good things. We have family, we have friends, we come to church, we have different passions and hobbies, we go to work. But what is it that our life centers around? You see, if it's not God, there's an issue. And I was in the privileged position recently to get a classic car. And it's a car that needs a bit of work doing to it. Does anyone know the type of car? That, um... And when I got that car, I had no problem learning all about this new car. I was online watching videos. I went and bought myself a service manual. And I was staying up late ordering parts. And I was happy to do it because... It's a desire that I have. It's something that I'm passionate about. Are you passionate about placing God at the center of your life? Do you want to go out of your way to ensure that he is a priority? Like my car, I'm passionate about learning more about him. And the question, even for myself, is do I desire to spend time with him? Do I desire to be in his presence? And the challenge for me is, it's little things like, am I prepared to go to bed that bit earlier so that I can get up early the next day, start my day right, pursue him, and spend time in his presence? And that's the challenge for me. Or would I rather just sit on the sofa watching YouTube? That's the challenge. Where is he in my list of priorities? And have we, I can't even say the word. Have we made that decision to make God that priority and that passion? You see, when we choose to pursue something, it becomes a passion. It's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. And there's nothing wrong with having passions other than God. If anything, I believe God wants us to have passions. But the question is this morning is, where do they line up in the list of priorities? And if I was to ask you some more questions of, well, how do you spend your time? The chances are it's going to be reflective of your priorities. And, you know, do you give your time to God in one form or another? Another way of putting it is, how do you spend your money? Oh, we can't talk about money in church. Oh, everyone's squeaming. How do you spend your money? Is it reflective of your priorities? Are you generous with what God has given you, no matter how big or small? It's not about the size. It's reflective of our hearts. 
and these different things, they can be indicators of how we prioritize God in our lives. They're not the only way. They're not the one way, but they are an indicator. And this morning, I want to challenge us to pursue God, to open his word, to read what it says, to pursue him through prayer. It's great that we've got prayer and fasting coming up in a few weeks' time where you can put that time aside to focus on him. And how is it we can put God number one in our lives, to our time, our finances? And what we see is Jesus prioritized his time. And he specifically prioritized his time with his heavenly father, praying to him. We read in Luke 5, 16, got it up here on the screen. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus was intentional with the way that he lived his life. He recognized that spending time listening and talking to his heavenly father, it needed to be a priority. So much so that he withdrew. He withdrew from the busyness. There was demands on his life, but he recognized if he didn't separate himself, if he didn't go and withdraw and spend that time with God... He wouldn't be effective. We too need to prioritize spending time with God above all else. And Jesus knew that his life was going to be cut short. And as a result of that, it kept him laser focused. And I had a a revelation of my own mortality recently. Myself and Beck had the the opportunity to, to go to Dublin. And while we were there, kids free, I'll point out, we went to the Museum of Ireland. Oh, yeah. It's like, what do you want to do when you've not got kids? Let's go around a museum. And we went around the Museum of Ireland, specifically in the archaeology section. And I must admit, I really loved it. I really enjoyed it. And we learned all about when the Vikings invaded and there, were, there was armor and there was swords. And there was even a whole section on when Christianity came to Ireland. And I loved it. I thought it was really interesting. But when we were walking around, we, we saw these different objects. And some of them were literally thousands and thousands of years old. And we were looking in this cabinet and there were all these different pots and cups and various different objects that at some time someone would have used that to collect water someone would have used that to potentially cook in and as I was walking around I just had this just realization that for these people that they literally struggled and had to fight for their survival that they literally had invaders coming from other lands, attacking them. And from a, a living point of view, you know, living, living primitively and, you know, the, the chances of getting unwell from various different things. I just had this, this realization and, you know, here I am on my holidays, sat scrolling on my phone. And it just put, for me, just into perspective, my life. And I was like... You know, what if someone from all, you know, thousands of years ago, if they were to look at my life, what would they think? Here I am. (laughs) And it just made me realize how short my life is in the grand scheme of all of time. And it just made me realize that actually, I want my life to count for something. 
I want to steward my time and live in a way that is honoring to God. And Ecclesiastes 3.11, it, it says something really interesting. It says he has planted eternity in the human heart. You see, you might not realize this, but we've been built for eternity. That this time on earth is just a sliver of all of existence that we are going to live. God, I believe, has intentionally planted that in our hearts. And one day we have the opportunity to end all of eternity with him. And choosing to spend our time with God is one of the ways that we can love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it means so much to him Then, in our lives and the busyness, we choose to spend our time with him. And I have a son, Eli, who's two years old. And as a baby, Eli was completely dependent on his mum and dad for feeding him, for clothing him, for bathing him and washing him. But Eli's now getting to the stage where he's more independent. And his parents are like, yes. <laughs> but he can do a number of things on his own now. He doesn't need my help for certain things. And as he gets older, the dynamic of our relationship will change. He's not going to need me to tie his shoelaces. He'll be able to do it on his own. And what I love father as he's getting older is when he just wants to spend time with me. When he takes me by the hand and just wants me to come and play with his trains. And one of the things that he does at the moment is when we're eating, whether we're having breakfast or having dinner, he just wants to sit on either mine or Becky's lap. And it's not so that we help him eat. He's, he can do that on his own. But what he wants is to just be close in those moments. And for me, when I thought, reflected on this, I, I thought that's just, just the picture that we have of our Heavenly Father. That he desires for us to live our own lives. But in that, in the busyness and the fullness of that, to be close to him. See, our Heavenly Father, he loves us. He wants the best for us in our lives. And one of the ways that we can love him back is by making him the center of our lives. So that's my first point for us this morning, that we can love God and be Jesus-centered. The second point for us this morning is this, loving yourself. And I don't know how you feel about loving yourself. This might come more easily to some of you than others. But we have a heavenly father. We have a savior who loves us, who was prepared to die for us and has the highest value on our lives. And you may look at your own life and you may see those imperfections. You might see those areas where you get wrong and you fall short and we sin. But when our Heavenly Father looks at us, He looks at us differently. You see, He looks at us through the filter of what Jesus has done on the cross. You see, the heavenly, our Heavenly Father looks at us and has the same level of love for us as He does for His own Son. And He looks beyond all of our shortcomings and He sees what Jesus has done in and through us. And that is good news. And when we come to Christ, we become a new creation. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, and I've got it up here for you, Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
You see, when you choose to put your faith and your belief in Jesus, a spiritual transformation takes place. That we are transformed into something new. And this is a gift that is freely given to us. And it was paid by Jesus on the cross. And Jesus saw such value in us and loves us so much that he was prepared to do that. He was prepared to die for our sin and our wrongdoing. And if Jesus died for us, don't you think that we too should love ourselves? And we're called to live a new life as, as a new creation. And for us this year as a church, we, our theme and our focus theme has been renewal. And for many of you will know, Paul and Sarah are away on sabbatical at the moment, a part of that. But renewal is available to all of us. And I've got a definition here of what renewal is, just to remind you. And it says, renewal is to make new again, to restore to freshness, perfection or vigor, to give new life to, to rejuvenate, to reestablish, to recreate, to rebuild. And I wanted to ask yourself or ask yourself the question this morning of what would it look like for me to be renewed? How would you act if you had some vigor in your life? That's a word we don't use very much, but it's, it's a great word. But what would it look like to be made new again in your life? What would it look like to be restored to freshness, given new life, rejuvenated or rebuilt? And I've got a picture up here on the screen of a, uh, an old classic car. And as I said, I like my cars. And when I prayed about this and the picture that I feel like Holy Spirit gave me for, for renewal this year was of a classic car that's been restored. And I've spent many a Saturday morning watching a good classic car restoration program where they've got this old car that's been sat in a barn for like the last 40 years and the, the paint's peeling off it, it's not been moved, it's not been driven and they, they take that car and they strip it down and they rebuild it and they make it new so much so that it was better than the day when it rolled off the production line and you see when we come to Christ we become a new creation and God does a restoration work in our life. And that is available to each and every single one of us that we spiritually get transformed in a moment, but then we spend the rest of our lives allowing God to work on us. And he can iron out some of those imperfections and we become more Christ-like. And I want to give opportunity today for people to be renewed for different areas in our lives. And the prayer team are going to be available after this morning where you can come and receive prayer. You can say, look, in this area of my life, I need God to do a work. I need him to come and renew me. I need him to come and to restore me. And this picture was taken from a Bible reading plan called Restored. So if you want to go and read that, then feel free. But... We need to love ourselves and we need to recognize the value that God puts upon our lives, that he died for us. And my third final point for us this morning is this, loving people. And we've read that the first and most important commandment was to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. But then Jesus said the second commandment is equally important. To love our neighbor as ourselves. 
And just as we've talked about of recognizing who we now are in God, recognizing the value that he places upon our lives, we too need to place the same value in other people as well. And I want to continue reading from 2 Corinthians 5.18. And verse 17 is what we read where it says that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation, has come a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. But verse 18, it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say that we should have it up on the, on the screen. It says, and all of this, all of it, is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. We've been given that task of reconciling people back to God. Now, God does that as well, but we get to play a part in that. We're actually asked and given that task. And one of the great ways that we can love people is by connecting them to Jesus. It's one of the most loving things that we can do. It's through sharing the love that we have received and sharing it with those around us. And we all show and receive love differently. We're all unique. We all love in different ways. And there's a great book on the subject called Love Languages. And it's by a, an author called Dr. Gary Chapman. And the book was specifically written for, for really for couples who are in romantic relationships. But within that, it gives some tools and it gives us a structure that I think can be used in all of the relationships in our lives, not just those that are romantic. And I wanted to use this as a structure this morning because for some of us, we might just love naturally, but for some of us, it might not come so naturally. So I want to give you some tools and some ways that you can practically show the love of Jesus to the people in and around your life. So there's five different languages. The first one is words of affirmation. And this is for people who value having verbal acknowledgments of affection. So this could be giving someone a compliment. It could be words of appreciation. It could be saying, oh, you know, you did a great job with that today. You know, I really appreciate you doing that. I saw what you did there. That verbal encouragement. It could be through communication. You know, it could be sending someone a message, thinking of you today. You know, have a great week. Thought of this scripture, thought of you. Could be connecting with someone on social media. That's words of affirmation. Second way is quality time. And this is where for some people to feel loved, to feel appreciated, they actually need people to spend time with them. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just we all like to receive love in different ways. And it could be going out for someone with a coffee. Saying to a work colleague, hey, you know, we don't always get a chance to talk. Let's go out and grab some food. It'd be great to have a catch-up. Going for a walk, and it's it's really comes down about having or being present, actively listening to that person, giving them your eye contact in a digital world. It's so, so very important. Third language is acts of service. And this is where people appreciate when someone goes out of the way to help them. So it could be things like just, it could be a simple thing, like making someone a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. It doesn't have to be massive, 
But then it could be things like helping someone move house, which is a bit more massive and appreciate all the people who've helped me move this year. But it can be just generally helping someone, going out of your way. The fourth way is through gifts. And for some people, it's the appreciation that they have when someone gives them a gift. And it's not necessarily about a monetary value. It's not about, you know, spending really expensive things, but it's more symbolic. It's more that that person knows that you've thought about them. You've gone out and you've thought about getting that gift and you've reflected on giving them that gift. And that can give that person emotional benefits. And Again, it's about thinking outside the box. You might be thinking, I could do this in my marriage. I could, you know, could do this with my family, but it's just different ways. And then the fourth and, oh, sorry, the fifth and final one is physical touch. And we have to be a bit more sensitive with this one. But if we use it in the context of relationships and friendships, you know, it could be things like as formal as a handshake, which you're in the business world, but it could be you know, a pat on the back. It could be a welcoming hug. It could be a holy kiss. It's biblical. We see Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Can you imagine what it must have felt like for the disciples to have Jesus washing your feet, a physical, physical touch in that way? I can't imagine it. And these five different love languages, they're a tool for us to use. And as I said, we all naturally gravitate to giving and receiving love in a certain way. So let's make ourselves available to share the love of Christ. We have the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We can show love in so many different ways. And we also have the opportunity to be the mouthpiece of Jesus as well. That we can tell people how much God loves them. What he thinks of them. And share that good news that we've received ourselves. So just as we come to a close and... I begin to sum summarize. I'm just going to invite the band to come up and come and get ready. And just really to summarize on those three points, the first one of loving God, about putting God number one in our lives, making him the priority, centering our lives around him. He's given everything for us. And what we can do in return is make him number one. Loving yourself, recognizing God has put such a great value on your life that he was prepared to send his son, that he now has adopted you as his son or daughter, that he sees us in that way. That's the level of love that he has for me and for you. And last of all, that we can then be active in loving other people that love that we freely received ourselves we can now share that with the world around us and we're going to sing a song in a moment called good grace and i could read the entire song out because there's so much in it that talks of what we've talked about this morning but i just wanted to just highlight one section and i want us to use the end in time that we have together this morning as a response. That we would pour out our love back to God through our praises and through our worship. And those tools that I've given you, the love languages, they can be used for the people in our lives, but I think they can be used for God as well in some ways. That we can give Him 
our words of affirmation. That we can give him quality time. We can serve him. We can spend our lives seeking him. It's not just limited to people. So in good grace, we're going to sing this in a moment. Don't let your heart be troubled. Hold your head high. Don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one truth. Are you ready for the truth? You ready? God is madly in love with you. He is madly in love with you. And we can just bask in that fact this morning, celebrate that fact this morning, and give Jesus the praise that he deserves.